you were you, there's an underlying point here that you were trying to make, which is like, hey, you know, far right evangelical Christians, can you hear this? And if you can't hear this, um, then maybe there's something going on. You right. know, it's not so much about COVID. It's it's a, it's more about what's what's the condition of your heart that you can't hear even your own political allies saying something that you don't agree with. And so that's really what you were digging at, And right? why do we keep running to conspiracy theories even when our own politicians are right. saying this? Right, you know, So it was really just a matter of like, can we be intellectually honest about this? Right. Or can we just be intellectual, period? <laughs> <laughs> For those willing to listen, learn, and have eyes to see and ears to hear... This is the Nonpartisan Evangelical Podcast. I could stand in the middle of Fifth Avenue and shoot somebody and I wouldn't lose any voters, okay? Challenging the mindset of right-wing Christianity and encouraging people to have their minds renewed and hearts transformed. What knucklehead, mush-for-brains evangelical leaders are trying to, to overthrow Trump? It's a special kind of dumb and calling yourself... A Christian. Let's have better conversations about the life modeled in the Bible so we can truly tell the world God is not mad at you. This is the Nonpartisan Evan Podcast at NPEPodcast.com. Okay. Here we are. (laughs) It is the nonpartisan <laughs> evangelical podcast. And I guess this is the Paul and Ashley show. I guess so. Yeah, because I know I'm Ashley and I know you're Paul. So that means this is our weekly show together. And it's week three. I'm really proud that we have consistently been podcasting together. And this is something we've talked about doing for years. And we've just not been consistent with it. Yeah. So good. We're getting us. good feedback so far. Yeah. And I suppose if people didn't like it, they wouldn't probably tell us. You think so? No, never mind. I think people would definitely <laughs> tell would, us if they don't like it. We would hear it loudly and clearly <laughs> that they thought we were idiots and ridiculous. Well, we may, may we may have some friends out there who don't like what we're saying, and they're probably keeping it to themselves. But yeah, that's true. But so far, response has been pretty good. We're, we're getting good listenership on the podcast and great viewership on the Facebook Live. So um, excited about that. Well, I, yeah, and I think for us, you know, just there's 2020 is just such a remarkable point in time, and you know, I'm still working remotely here at home. We're, you know, we're, we're, I know we're not all the way sheltering in place, right? Because we've had some of the, you know, shelter in place restrictions will back. But for the most part, you know, our lives have really dramatically been altered. So we find ourselves in the house a lot. And yeah. we have this podcast studio in the house. And um, the issues that you are surfacing, that you have had just a burden and a heart to surface for a long time are on plain display for the world to see. And that is, the Christian church's response to, well, the way in which the Christian church is contributing to a hyper-political environment in the church. And so it just seems like, hey, we should be talking about this a lot. And so that's what we do on these podcasts. And these are issues we've been talking about a long time, much, much longer than just the current administration. This is something for well over a decade now. I think you and I have been feeling like, wow, something's off here. Right. Something's off in our ideological circles and political circles, and something's off in our religious circles. And interestingly, I was serving as mayor of the city of Fresno, fifth largest city in California, you know, fairly good sized city, 550,000 people. I was serving in elected office, 
and you were pastoring an evangelical church when the two of us were saying, you know, evangelicals are putting all of their hope in politicians and in political parties. It's really not right. And political and governmental circles are like leaning way too heavily on and pandering to sort of the the religious right as a way to maintain power. It's really not right. And people would always be like, how are you, why are you guys taking that on when like, you're a mayor and you're a pastor and we're like we know but like because we live in these worlds we see how um damaging this is yeah and that's really been the birth of the nonpartisan evangelical yeah and i I would probably back up and say it maybe it's a little bit of why what caused you to end up running for mayor and me to end up starting a church is we kind of felt like hey maybe this can happen a little bit differently yeah yeah probably because i remember definitely us having these discussions back in a long time before we did either of those things. You know, if we rewound and could in new in like early 2000s, what 2020 would look like, we would, we would have, we would probably been shocked and been like, <laughs> of course we have to do, of course we need to get involved in local government. Of course we have to get involved in directly running an evangelical church and like pursuing God in a different way. Or we would have run far from those things. Or we would have run far. Yeah. Yeah. But, but we didn't. And you know what? God's grace. Thankfully, we didn't know. And we just kept taking one step in front of the other. And here we are. So we like to just spend time on these weekly podcasts. I'm acting like we've done this for years. This is literally the third week. (laughs) So I'm acting like it's like this thing that we always do. And it is for the third week. But I, I personally think it's really important for you to be able to do a little bit of behind the scenes and kind of take apart, you know, people may see your social media posts, they see your blogs, whatever during the week, and you're responding to kind of timely current events. But there's always so much more behind the scenes that needs to get unpacked that you just can't possibly do Mm -hmm. in the length of a tweet or a Facebook post. And so that's kind of what we reserve this time for is, all right, so what were you, you know, what were you thinking when you said this and what's been on your mind this week? So let's just jump in and, and let me ask that question. What's been on your mind this week? (laughs) So I've been talking about Confederate statues and uh, abortion arguments and things like that. But the really big thing of the week was coronavirus and certainly the response of people on both sides of the political aisle and the religious systems response to coronavirus. And so the the big news of the week was that cases are spiking again. And what we saw were Republican governors. Now, for a while, many of our Christian friends and, and those on the kind of the conservative side of the aisle, which we still sort of consider ourselves to be on, we're saying this is a, a democratic issue. Democratic governors are ahead of all the states that are having the high numbers. And, you know, many people implying this is a democratic conspiracy. And the president even said at a rally once it's a it's a hoax of the of the Democrats and the media and all of those things. But this week, as all of the country was reopening, all of a sudden we saw these spikes that were really big. Now, California is seeing a resurgence, but also Florida, Texas, Arizona, and Utah. And three of those states, Florida, Texas, and Arizona, have stridently conservative governors. Florida and Texas, conservative governors that are very strongly aligned with President Trump and have sort of mocked coronavirus through the history of the the disease in their states. And both of those governors, as, as well as Arizona and Utah this week, had to roll back some of their reopening because the, the not only the spike in cases 
which the president continues to attribute to just more testing, but a spike in the percentage of 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 testing that's returning with positives. In in Florida, it went from under 8% of all tests returning positive to over 14%, almost double of positive cases coming back in testing. And in Texas, particularly in places like Houston, they were seeing their ICUs to capacity. And so we're just seeing a big spike of this. And so I, I was noting on social media, like, hey, these are not Democrats now that are saying this is a problem. These are Republicans saying this is a problem. And and essentially to say, you know, for for those of you in the on the far right who think who have been believing right. this is a hoax and it's a ploy to undermine the president's reelection effort like Which we've heard by the way. Yeah, I mean that's that is if you were to divide all of social media into two halves, left leaning, right leaning, this would be like exactly 50% like like all of the Republican sort of right-leaning stuff is that that this is some kind of a plot or a ploy and and so you're you're simply saying hey republicans are saying it now and right. people who have like really strong credentials in the republican party are saying actually we're going to have to roll back some of our reopening and this is real and so you're shining a light on that and i think it's important to know because we want i want us to get back to life i want our economy to get rolling again and i believe a key to that is all of us paying heed to this and wearing masks and staying home and not going to crowded bars. I think all of those, I want to see our economy rolling again. And it seems like everybody is, the experts that we know are saying, if we do these things, that will get us there more quickly. Well, we should also mention that, at least for the first time since I've noticed, that uh, Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell and the House Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy both this week talked openly about the importance of wearing a mask, and they were acting like they've always been saying this all along. (laughs) Of course we wear a mask. Of course it helps. Of course. And it's like, really? Because I think this is the first time I've really seen it out there on it. But regardless, like, like, you know, okay, great. Thank you for contributing and like... And and uh, just being forthright about that. So so I appreciate you saying like, yeah, you want to talk about this because it is important to, you know, safe reopening and keeping the economy open. But really, you were you, there's an underlying point here that you were trying to make, which is like, hey, you know, far right evangelical Christians, can you hear this? And if you can't hear this. Um, then maybe there's something going on. You right. know, it's not so much about COVID. It's it's a, it's more about what's what's the condition of your heart that you can't hear even your own political allies saying something that you don't agree with. And so that's really what you were digging at, and right? And why do we keep running to conspiracy theories even when our own politicians are right. saying this? Right. You know? So it was really just a matter of like, can we be intellectually honest about this? Right. Or can we just be intellectual, period? <laughs> <laughs> Right. Can that. we just think for one second? Of... <laughs> just be intellectual. Okay, so <laughs> sorry that was mean. I mean, it wasn't mean. It, it, it seriously, it's like, can we just stop yeah. and think together? The yeah. Bible says, "Let us reason together." Can we just reason for a yeah. second? But apparently, you can't. So, and we're gonna get to that in a second. But I wanted to <laughs> say this really fun little one-liner. I heard the the public health officer for Fresno County is Dr. Ross Vora, and I heard him say this week. Listen, you're either wearing a mask or you're wearing a blindfold. Ooh. Woo. Ooh. Boom. Drop right? the mic. That was a good line. Anyway, yeah. so yeah, so your your appeal is can we be can can so we So he's be a on part this? of the plot then. He's he's a part of well, he George must Soros. Be. Plot. Uh, he must be on the on the yeah. Soros payroll. We didn't know it. Right. There's taxpayers in Fresno. But anyway, 
So what kind of response do you get? You're, you know, that seems like a very noble and honest <laughs> pursuit of yours this week. And how, how'd that go? Not as well as I had hoped. <laughs> and, and maybe, all right, to be fair, maybe some believe, well, it's, it, you know, they already have a, a preconceived notion of who I am and what I believe. And so they read that into what they're reading. I don't think people read what you post or read the article that you connect it to before they start commenting. And so I think they just saw Republican, you know, me saying Republican governors are saying this. And so their immediate response was, you know, why are you making this political? That was, I heard that a couple of times. And I'm like, I'm, I'm, this is, I'm not making it political. What I'm trying to say is listen to your own people. And then uh, another friend came on and said, hey, you're, you're being divisive. The, the big D word we the talked D about word. last week. You're being divisive. You got called the D and the P word this the, week. What's the P word? Political. Political. Okay. <laughs> All right. There's another P word that I was like, I don't think anybody called me that, but I've been called that before. <laughs> and uh, and vitriolic, which was kind of a new one. And the V word. Yeah. I write and, these down. Yeah. Be careful when you say the P and the V word. Those are, <laughs> that's a little bit dangerous. Okay. Let's keep it PG. Yeah. And and so, you know, and it, and it doesn't really matter what the content was. It was that even this sets people off. And, our, and, and when I say people, I really mean our our Christian and, and ideological and illogically aligned friends, there's just something weird that even, you know, we've talked, everybody's talking about the fact that a face mask is becoming political, but that if Republicans are now saying it, if Mitch McConnell is now saying wear a mask and still Christian and hard right, extreme right wing people are saying, hell no, we won't do it. It's all there's something behind it all, then we're off somewhere. There's a disconnect. There's an intellectual dishonesty. There's a disconnection that's that's happening. And so and so it's gonna be probably we cannot feign shock for one more week. Like this is week three of our weekly podcast. And we're I, always I do like, keep being shocked. I though. can't believe that people reacted this way. But you know, so I guess at some point we have to realize that this this is this is very common and, and frankly this is why you know, you quit your job to dedicate yourself to just bringing content forward and like trying to create a space for us to think differently in the in the evangelical church. Can I say real quick though, I am shocked yeah. because it's, it's I believe it's, you. It's ratcheted up. Many now believe we are in apocalyptic revelation. The vaccine is the mark of the beast. I mean, it's it's gone. Off the we're cliff. There. We're there. Yeah. As the uh, many, many factions within the evangelical church were there. And yeah. we, we heard this lady in Florida doing testimony about why she shouldn't have to wear a mask. And as she was being told, your time is up, then all of a sudden she's yelling, when is Hillary Clinton and all the other pedophiles going to be arrested going into her QAnon conspiracy stuff? And it's, it's where we are. It's yeah. where we are. Not with just crazy kooky people, but with people we know. And so I, I I do continue to be shocked at how much it continues to to ratchet up. Okay, fair enough. And I I can attest to that state of shock because I do like interact with you immediately after you sing some of the things people are saying, and so I can I can bear witness to that. You do remain shocked. I guess maybe I'm saying I'm I'm getting a little maybe we past sh- yeah it. maybe you're saying we shouldn't be, but yeah, I continue um, to be. So, but 
so you so you had this kind of reaction and uh it took you to uh hebrews 3 so last week in our podcast we shared kind of like the verse of the week or the passage of the week and it's hebrews 3 so why don't you read that again and we're gonna talk about that a little bit all right so you know the the small part of the passage and of course the whole chapter is pertinent and and four as well as general when you talk about these things you have to look around it but i'll just read the small segment here it's that says in hebrews 3 7 therefore as holy spirit says today if you hear his voice sorry my microphone's in the way of me reading do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion on the day of testing in the wilderness where your fathers tested me tried me and saw my works for 40 years Therefore, I was provoked to anger with that generation and said, they always go astray in their hearts and they have not known my ways. So I swore in anger, they will not enter my rest. So it's that 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 passage keeps running through my head as I'm, I'm reading these things from people on social media, this idea of do not harden your hearts. So, so I, I, I would really love for you to talk about so there's two there's really two parts of of that passage for me when I hear you read it. First of all, it makes me think, okay, well, what is the writer of Hebrews pointing to when he or she, which we don't exactly know who the writer of Hebrews is, right. could be a woman, probably was That's the, the fun conspiracy the theory fun, of exactly. Hebrews. That, it's the only book of the Bible that doesn't kind of denote the author in it. And so people have surmised for years that maybe it was a woman that wrote it. And that's why they didn't give an authorship, because no woman would be able to speak with authority back in that culture. Yeah. We call it she <laughs> did, did you just make that up? Yeah. Wow. I can't I like be the it. first one. I like that it. That was like, just like hanging right there. I cannot be the first nice. one to have thought of that. Anyway. Okay. So it makes me want to say like, wow. What? Okay. So the writer of Hebrews is referring back to a time hundreds and hundreds of years earlier and saying we cannot be like that. So talk a little bit about the Israelites and the hundreds and hundreds of years prior to when this was written. What was going on that the author um, was pointing to? So that story in the Old Testament is of the Hebrew people leaving slavery and oppression in Egypt and moving to uh, on a journey to a new land and to a new promise and a new life. And what they are tested in the wilderness, it says, is can you change from a slave mentality to a prosperous new life mentality? Can you go from the old status quo that you've known to a new unknown that that I promise will be better? And they just couldn't make that transition. And so what we see constantly is them turning against God, turning against Moses, their leader, and constantly saying, let's go back. Let's go back to Egypt. Yeah, we were slaves and we were getting beaten by the whip, but we knew it. It was familiar. It was oppressive, but it was familiar. And so God finally says to that generation, hey, you don't get to go into the promised land because you just can't. You can't get to this new mindset mentality. So just we'll let you live your life and I'll take care of you. And then when you pass away, then the new will come. And so for folks who may not be familiar with like that Old Testament story. So this is this is a marginalized people group, right? The Israelites, they are enslaved by the dominant powerhouse of of the region and of the time, right? And they are literally they are literally enslaved. They are put into labor camps. They are like, I mean, they're they're just like the kind of the scum of the earth in the Egyptian culture. And and God raises up a guy 
who says, hey, I'm going to use you and you, you're going to lead your people out of this enslavement. And, and, and so, so God makes a way miraculously. And these are the stories, you know, maybe you've seen, I don't know, a Disney movie on this or whatever, but these are the stories of the plagues that hit the Egyptian culture right. and ultimately gets to the point where the Egyptians are like, you know what, get out of here. We don't want you, you slave people. You're bringing too much death and destruction on our land. Just get out. And so, and so, so, so they leave, right? And God miraculously makes a way. Red Sea's part, you know, like all of these kind of like big, glorious, grand, like surely God is with us because there's no way we could have imagined get. We could not have gotten out on our own. So they get out and they find themselves in this in this wilderness. Mm-hmm. And so when Hebrews is saying like, you know, you're in the desert, that's the time that uh, the writer is talking about. Like when, so they're out in the desert. God's brought them this far. And then what, so what are the Israelites like at that time in the desert? Yeah, it's, it's representative of going from the old to the new, Egypt to the promised land. And then that wilderness is that journey time and the testing time, the Hebrew writer, Hebrews writer called it. And that testing was, hey, things are going to be tough. Sometimes you're not going to be able to find water. Are you still going to trust me or you want, you want to go back? And so they're constantly like, you know, people know the story of the golden calf. Like Moses was off hearing from God on Mount Sinai and the people are like, you know what? Forget it. Let's forget God. Let's let's build a calf and let's worship that like these other people do. Or they decide, hey, we're, you know, Moses, who are you? We hear God too. We're going to throw, you know, overthrow you and go back. And so they just constantly... The Hebrews writer calls it when when they were in rebellion. So they're constantly in rebellion against this journey of transformation from the old to the new, and uh, and that's what the Hebrew writer was uh, Hebrews writer was uh, alluding to. Okay, so so they're wandering around in the desert, and the old generation that could not see differently, could not envision, they hardened their hearts. They hardened their hearts. And so God just lets them wander around in the desert until that generation passes away. And then the younger generation goes in and gets to take the promised land. Right. All right. So now let's fast forward. So that's kind of the Old Testament part. But now let's drop into, you know, probably we we think we haven't stopped to like count up the number of years, but we think it's about a thousand years later. Here is the author of Hebrews saying, hey, we don't want to be, we don't want to be like that, like our ancestors were a thousand years ago when we hardened our hearts to God. What was going on at that time in culture? For the writer of Hebrews to be exhorting, calling out, challenging, challenging her people. <laughs> You're really going to stick with that. I kind of right. like it. Okay, I cool. Like it. Cool. Anyway, so say say more about what's going on at that time. So this would have been, you know, and and these things we don't always know exactly, but but it's very likely that this was around 60 A.D., 64 A.D., somewhere around there. 70 A.D. Jerusalem was destroyed by Rome. You know. 3 AD or 33 AD, Jesus is killed on the cross, 36 AD, somewhere around there. So this is, you know, some 20 to 30 years after Jesus' death and resurrection. And the church is being persecuted by Rome. Nero, if if it's in 64 AD, Nero is the emperor of Rome, and he has decided that Christians are the evil. And even the Jews are like helping Rome persecute the Christians. And so what the writer of Hebrews is addressing is like, don't let this persecution drive you away from Christianity. Don't let it drive you away from your understanding of of Jesus and what he was bringing. And and again, what Jesus was bringing, it was this move from the, from the old to the new. You have this old oppressive religion that's based on rules and this belief that Israel is the center of God's will to this new 
that even the Gentiles are going to get the good news. And, and, and this is going to be a religion where you get to love everybody, including your enemies. And it's going to, it's not going to be based on rules anymore. It's going to be based on love. And so the Christians have been pursuing that and loving it, and they've been increasing in number. Now they're facing persecution. It's really sort of their second round of persecution. And the writer of Hebrews is like, don't let persecution take you away from the truth and the reality of who Jesus was. Don't harden your hearts to the truth and want to go back to the comfort of the old. Let's keep moving forward to the new. Okay. So that's really fascinating, by the way. Oh, good. Yes. Okay, so so you've been saying now, we're going on week two of you saying like, man, I just keep coming back to Hebrews 3. And I think this is this is like a fresh word for today that, you know, that we're not to let our hearts be hardened to what to what God is saying and doing and where he's taking us to. So what so how does how do you see us relating to that? Just given coronavirus, given civil unrest, like are you really putting that on the Church of America today? That, like, I am. This is a Hebrews 3 time. I believe that it is. I truly do. Say more about that. The journey that, that you and I and, and many others that we know have been on has been to move from this old religious system that we knew that's based on rules, that's based on Christians have to vote Republican because the issues on the conservative side are so important to God. Christians have to be this, 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 and this to God sort of presenting to us like, hey, wait a second, if you really read my word, if you really read the Bible, I am way into an inclusive, loving religion that's drawing all men to, to God and to heaven. So it, it, for us, it's been a journey from sort of this old belief system to the new. And and I think we're seeing that in the church today, that, that what what is being offered is Hey, either you're going to have to choose to stick in this staunch, theologically ideological religion that is very focused on how can we pass laws to get God's favor on our country, that if America isn't strong, then God's plan is doomed in the world. Hey, let's be really focused on sort of this end times belief system that this Antichrist and 666 mark of the beast is coming. And therefore, we have to look for enemies and evil everywhere we look. That's been the belief system for a long time that's driven sort of this right wing ideological church that I see at the same time driving the rest of the world away from the message of the gospel and and literally a millennial generation away from the church, as we're seeing statistically. And I think God is saying, okay, I'm going to let it, I'm going to let everything ratchet up a little bit. So we're seeing COVID, we're seeing the battles over, do you love or hate the president? Do you love or hate this party or that party? And even the the racial tensions and the, the discussions about how we police and our law enforcement and our justice system, we're just seeing a ratcheting up of the heat in this season. And I think God is saying, I want to invite you to sort of leave some of this old stuff behind and move into this new. And what we're seeing are people saying, hell no, I'm not going to do it. It has to be this way. This is what I've always known. To vote Democrat is to vote evil and vote against God. And I've always known it to be that way. My dad believed that. My dad's dad believed that. So therefore, it must be true. And God is saying, don't harden your heart. Open your heart to the idea that there can be a different way to believe. And I think people are being forced to make that choice. Am I going to open my heart, sort of this new idea, 
Or am I going to harden my heart and say, hell no, I'm sticking to what I've always known? I'm going to, I'm going to like kind of like say what I think I hear you saying. Okay. Um, because usually you summarize it better than I say. Yeah. Well, it's, you know, it's easier the second time around. (laughs) But I I mean, I think people have just struggled with this label, nonpartisan evangelical. Mm -hmm. And they expect that that is going to mean, you know, when to take a step back and be equally critical of one political party and another. And it's actually not what you're trying to say. It's what what you're trying to say is the evangelical church has decided that political and governmental power is our hope. Therefore, when we don't have it, we will hate whoever does. And when we do have it, we will defend at all costs, even in the face of extraordinary behavior, extraordinarily clear, corrupt, lowercase c, I'm saying, incompetent, like no no matter how deep we go in the depths, if we have the political power, evangelicals are politically inclined evangelicals are thinking, then then we are advancing God's cause. And so really, like what you're saying is no, church, come out of agreement with that. Come out of agreement and see that God is our true hope. And and that, you know, he uses whom, you know, he uses all kinds of different people in in advancing advancing the kingdom of God. And so we're we're not to assign ourselves to, you know, it's just always the case that I'm gonna vote Republican. Blah, blah, blah. So I mean that's 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 really what I'm hearing you say. Mm. And and the test your heart and how do you know if you're just if you're subscribing to this political mindset and thinking it's the right thing to do is if you can't even hear a scientist or you can't even hear someone in your own political party say something that you don't you don't believe that narrative. If that's where you're at, then yeah, you've probably got a pretty rock hard spot in your heart. And that's what you're kind of calling out. Yeah. And and if you can't even deal with content, but you just get angry and, and you have to attack sort of the messenger, which is what we see happen with Jesus. It's like, why does this make you so angry? Just just ask yourself, why? Why do you have to clutch so hard to your belief system? And And why are you not willing to hear another way to think? I think Jesus, you know, the Pharisees were very sure, the religious people of his day, like the Romans are bad and they have to be overthrown and Israel is good and it has to be the major economic and military power of the world. It's a very similar belief system to what we're walking through today. And and if we're not willing to question that, Mm -hmm. then we need to ask ourselves, am I hardening my heart? And I think like your challenge to like think differently, I would say, let's not even worry about thinking differently. Can you just get to, would you you listen to someone who thinks differently? And if you can... You know, there's two different kinds of listening. There's the listening where like, yeah, 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 I'm hearing your words, but I'm really just waiting for the opening so that I can rebut and refute what you've just said and try to shut you down. That's not really listening. That's just timing your, you know, your verbal response. And then there's the kind of listening where it's like, hey, I, I don't have an agenda here. I'm really just trying to understand where you're coming from. And if if that is even hard, like you can't just imagine yourself having a conversation with someone from a different political persuasion and just being like, man, I'm going to assume you've got good intentions. I really just want to know what's on your heart. Like just getting that to me is like a half step. Right. And it's probably the case that if you if you are willing to do that, you're 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 going to invite in 
like new things that maybe you hadn't thought of before. And so maybe it does result in thinking differently. But I would say don't get ahead of yourself. Even just start with listening. Uh, and if I could say real quick that I think the I think there's an invitation in that. Okay. I think because because I don't want to just say, hey, the old is bad. I, I want to what Jesus came to is really tout the new. Here's the new. And and I think the new that God is inviting us into. And, and I always kind of in my own story, I tell how when I was a kid in the religious system I knew growing up, I used to think like, wow, those people are sinners, but they seem pretty happy. And they seem to love people more than we do. I wish we could love people like that, too. And you're talking about people who weren't in the evangelical right. church. Yeah, when, or weren't in the church at all. Yeah, or even weren't in our denomination of the church. True. You know, even, even your denomination <laughs> was pretty evil from, from our vantage point. And I used to think, like, wow, I wish I could be happy and love people, too. But I know I'm, I have to live in this uh, And I'll be disappointing God. I'll be disappointing it, yes, God. I know. Yeah, if I don't live by these rules yeah. and hate who he hates. Yeah. And, and I think God is like, no, actually, I don't hate those people, and I don't want you to hate them either. And through that loving of each other and you connecting people to, to my love, not demanding they become a part of your Christian club, but just showing them that I love them and value them, great things can happen. And I feel like that's what God's trying to invite us into in the season and say, you don't have to hate Democrats and gay people. And, and of course, all our Christian friends say, I don't hate gay people. I just want them to change. You don't even have to demand that they change. Just start loving people and let's figure it out together. And I think that's where God where God is inviting us into, where even our enemies have realized, hey, if we can divide Americans against themselves and this religious system is really giving us a great place to build that division, because if we're teaching in our churches that you have to vote Republican or you're not following God's heart, I think I think we're playing into something that's not from heaven. We're playing into something man-made and God's inviting us into this higher way of thinking that we actually get to be joyful and fulfilled and love one another and not have to be so concerned about evil all the time. So so you had a conversation with somebody this week who had a similar experience as yours. Mm-hmm. Do you want to talk a little bit about what it's, so it's up on your website, npepodcast.com. Yeah. And uh, yeah, Mark Scandrit. Yeah. Is that, is that right? Mark Scandrit with Reimagine Ministries, Ministries. in the Bay Area. Uh, great guy. He was here in town at an event we went to, and he's a poet and an author and a pastor. And he talked about uh, on a podcast that is on the website, as you mentioned. Can I pause real quick, too, and say my social marketing coach is telling me we have to keep inviting people to sign up on our insiders list? Oh, yes, yes, yes. We should do that. So go to npepodcast.com. And right on that first page, you'll see a button that says sign up on the insiders list so you can know when we're doing podcasts and new things that are going on. So go there. npepodcast.com. Sign up on the insiders list. But Mark Scandret, you know, was a... Evangelical kid like me growing up, conservative, evangelical, political, and just began to have experiences, moved to, to another place, met different people than he'd known, and started on a journey. Do you want me to play the, play the clip? Sure. Yeah, okay. play it. I think there's better ways of standing up. The Hebrew Bible calls us to, to speak, speak for those who have no voice, defend the cause of the fatherless and the widow. And there's a way to do that that is respectful and honoring and isn't blaming or scapegoating. Right. In a lot of my cross-political conversations, I feel like I'm a stand-in 
for the scapegoat that someone has heard about on Fox News. Like we're not engaging as two people, it's abstracted. Mm-hmm. And so one of the things that's really helped me is rather than getting my information third hand, I want to be in relationship with people who are connected to these issues of struggle. So rather than being paranoid or afraid of my Islamic brothers and sisters, I'm going to visit a mosque. I'm going to make friends. I'm going to go to an Eid Iftar celebration and find out the stories of these people that, like me, have learned to fear as the other. When Black Lives Matter was just beginning, my daughter brought it up at the dinner table and I said, I'm not going to post anything about this because I see everybody posting and it doesn't cost anybody anything to post their opinions on Facebook. And my daughter said, Dad, you, as a follower of Jesus, you're obligated to press in on this and to speak up if someone's powerless. I said, okay, but I'm not going to do it like I see other people doing it. I said, let's get up from the table now and go to the subway station and at least listen to what our brothers and sisters of color are feeling right now so that I don't have a story that's third hand. I have a firsthand story. And it... I think that firsthand story is a really powerful way of getting beyond the the typical divides. So, yeah, wow. That's pretty pretty intense. Like I I can't imagine if Sydney said to us at the dinner table, you know, let's go let's go right now. Like I I don't know if I would have jumped up and gone, you know, that's pretty remarkable. We talk quite a bit on the nonpartisan evangelical about proximity. And I I think it's really important for Christians in this season to know people that are on the other side of the political aisle, the religious divides, the civic sociological divides, the economic divides. And that's not like, let's just go have a homeless feed down at the rescue mission. It is like, let's build relationship. Like Mark Scandrett was saying there in that podcast on our website with Muslims with with black people, with people of color, with Hispanic people, with with poor people and and not just like come as a white savior, but like I actually need saving myself. I need my heart to be softened. I don't want to be hardened to the plight of people around me and start to learn about a life that's different than our own and start to see that these people are not evil and not outside the purview of God's goodness, but actually are amazing creatures from the creator that we're all connected with and can really learn to love one another, even if they don't convert to our religion or our way of thinking or our political party, we still can love each other in the middle of it and find something fascinating about each other. And I think if we could just break out of that bubble, not have our heart hardened to say, I have to defend my tribe at all costs, that we could start to see the things we want to change in society start to change. So we said last week that this week, in case you weren't listening last week, it's still up on the website, npepodcast.com. But we went through almost line by line this letter that, that Dr. Haynes sent to the white evangelical church and calling out white racism in the American evangelical church. And this is something, I mean, gosh, we just, we cannot talk about this topic enough. And we'd actually said last week that this week we were talking about, we were going to talk about white guilt. (laughs) And then you just put something else on the list, white savior. 
So let's do that next week, okay. right? This week. So we needed to take a little bit of a, a break from that to talk about whether or not our hearts are being hardened to, to really to Holy Spirit is the way I would say it. And our faith tradition is just, you know, sort of that how you carry yourself, how you how you're thinking about other people and whether or not you're lifting up those thoughts to the Lord and just saying like, hey, man, am I am I? you know, am I carrying a case or a judgment against a a person or a people group? And, and so we need to take a little bit of break and talk about hard heartedness this week, because Mm -hmm. Hebrews three, like you just can't shake it. And by the way, we're never going to get through content on white guilt, white savior and, you know, white racism, the evangelical church, if we don't have our hearts soft. And if we're not open to just, you know, being corrected, having input, submitting ourselves to one another as we kind of keep going on this journey. So I'm just saying all that to say, this can be our plan for next week, and we really need to kind of come back to that topic. But but we didn't do that today, and we are just about out of time, and I'm just wondering, you might, I don't know, I don't know if there's something that you just want to end on here, but I, I think it's important for for folks to know that you you know, you have a lot of people, as we started off the beginning of this show talking about, you have a lot of people telling you that you are divisive and that what you are talking about, people are automatically shutting down either because of the way you're saying it or you're using too many current examples in the political world or, you know, what they, you know, they want to critique the way you're bringing the message. The reality is they, they, they really are uncomfortable with the message you're bringing. So let's just be honest about that. But it's not like you turn a deaf ear. I mean, maybe say a little bit about how you're processing through this accusation that you're being divisive and you should stop talking about this. Yeah. Well, I've taken a lot of input from friends that, that have shared that with me. And and I'm open to that. And I listen to it. And there have been times when I've said things that I've had to like go, ooh, I don't think that came from a pure place in my heart. I think I was trying to win an argument there. And I had to pull that back. But like this week when... My friend was saying, you know, using words like vitriol. I was like, okay, let me think for a second. And I'm like, that I know my heart and I don't feel that in my heart. Status quo will always fight for status quo. Comfort will always fight for comfort. It takes discomfort to change. I do coaching. People don't change until the fact of staying the same becomes more more uncomfortable than the idea of changing. I'm going to lose something if I don't change. And so there has to be someone, and all through the Bible, there were the Jeremiah's, Elijah's, Amos's, Jesus's. Jesus' message was hard for the people who loved the status quo, for the people that were benefited by the status quo, for the people that just were comfortable knowing their place in the status quo. And they wanted to stone him. They wanted to throw him off a cliff. They wanted to discredit him by by ripping his reputation. And so I understand the message is hard, but I'm very convinced it's the message God wants people to hear in the season. So it's not that I'm discounting people saying that or saying they're wrong and I'm right. I just know this is what I'm supposed to do. I know Amos was just this farmer that God said, hey, write this stuff down. And it wasn't very nice stuff. And Jesus came and he said stuff and they're like, hey, that's not very nice. And so I know there are times when people are going to say, Paul, what you're saying is not very nice. And I promise you, it comes from my best heart of saying, I'm inviting you to something better. And I don't think you're going to be willing to look to move to that something better until 
you start to realize there's something wrong with the status quo. And so that's what I'm calling out. And I'm trying to disrupt a little bit to bring some discomfort with that status quo so we can see something change because there is a better, a new covenant out there. And John 10. Yeah. Right? Like, I mean, among the examples that you've already just given, like, like kind of Jesus kind of did that too. Yeah. You know, Jesus kind of, kind of was called divisive. So you might just read, read the. Yeah. That scripture. John, John 10 in the New Testament is, you know, one of my favorite passages where Jesus said, Hey, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I came to bring life to the full. You know, I came to bring life to the max. I didn't come to put condemnation or just get you to heaven someday or come apocalyptically to blow up the world. I came to bring a good life now where you get to love each other. And as he's telling that sermon, then it says in John chapter 10, verse 19, the Jews were divided because of these words. And many of them were saying, he has a demon and he's crazy. Why do you listen to him? And others were saying, these aren't the words of someone that is demon possessed. Can a demon open up the eyes of the blind? And so I get it. There are, gonna, there are some people out there saying, wow, Paul has become demon possessed. We I, were called snakes in the grass. We were uh, called snakes, snakes in the, in the grass. Ch- last snakes week. in the snakes church. Snakes in the church yes. last week. That's right. So that's like, like not all the way being called a demon, but Probably pretty close. Yeah. And so I think what you're saying, I mean, it, it, it hurts my heart sometimes. I do take take uh, input, but I know this is what I'm supposed to be doing. And, and, and probably the big news of the week is I'm really coming out of this week going, man, I love these people, but, but I can't let myself get taken off what I know has been put in my heart to say, I really do think, Christians, we can do this better and actually get to the goals of, of seeing change that we want to see by being willing to change. All cultural transformation, city transformation, I think begins with a bunch of people saying, I'm willing to have personal transformation so that I can be a part of cultural and city and regional transformation. Yeah. And being hungry for the more that you're talking about, yeah. the, the promise and the hope of of uh, things being better, you know, so. Sitting and ripping the governor of California on social media isn't changing jack squat. I just gotta yeah. tell you. Yeah. It's not, it just right. it just isn't doing anything other than making everybody really think. Wow, these Christians are insane. Uh, it's it's and that's that's ultimately. If I can offer another gift to the church, people aren't hearing your voice anymore. They just aren't listening because of that vitriol. And and I want them to hear our message because I think we have a good story to tell. And so let's just open our heart to that possibility. All right. Well, we are going to leave it there. A uh, great place to just put a put a period at the end of the week. Pudgy did a great job helping out with the show. Yep, that's Pudgy the podcast dog. <laughs> Who is just sleeping on a chair right now. And if I'm glad that these microphones aren't even more sensitive because you would hear him snoring. <laughs> we think our dog has sleep apnea, if that's possible. We've talked about getting him a tiny little uh, CPAP machine. Perhaps slightly overweight. Um, I say no. He's not overweight. Oh, you say no. Well, that's because um, you're a loving mother. That's because I give him treats every day. <laughs> But yeah, so so we're going to put a pause at the end. Of, it's been another just interesting, exciting, you know, kind of in some ways stressful, exhausting week in our household. And But I think just being able to talk to each other about what we're experiencing, offer these thoughts up to folks who would listen. And just really, I know right now we can't have a lot of two-way conversation, but at least we can share what we're 
thinking and learning and experiencing. And then, of course, we love to hear back from people because that's really what this is all about. So npepodcast.com, sign up on the Insiders email list. Let's start a dialogue together. Thank you. And uh, we're going to Facebook Live more together. And yeah, we're just trying to trying to create some momentum around groups of people who who want to get through this difficult transition period and get to something better. Um, Should we finish with a quick blessing prayer? Yes, absolutely. Do you want to start or me? You go. All right. So God, we know you love everybody who's hearing this podcast. You love the people that are angry, the people that love it, the people that are Christian, the people that are not the people that are Republican, the people that are Democrat, even the liberals you love. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry, I had to throw that in. You love our leaders. You love who we are. You don't love everything we do all the time, and you're trying to call us out of that. So, God, I pray that this message will land on hearts as, as it should land, that it will drive us to be our best self, that anything that comes from any dark part of our hearts will just be washed away and not heard. And what is from heaven will will be just immovable from the hearts of people listening. And so we just, we bless you. We bless you, listener, to this podcast, to be the best you you can be, to jump into transformation, to be soft-hearted, to hear that God has a life to the full for you that gives you complete access to God and to humans, even the ones you don't like you can love in a way that you've never known before. There's a joy in being connected to humanity like never before. And we bless you with that. We bless you with that. Yeah, even as you were praying just now, Paul, I um, just got the sense that that just God wants you to experience his love. And I almost saw just like an ocean wave, you know, like overtaking. When our kids were little, they would just, you know, run run into the water and at the coast and let a wave just hit them and take them take them out a little bit. So I just release the the love of the Father, the love of heaven. I release that over everybody who would hear this, even right now, even if you're listening to this some months or years later than it's even posted. Whenever you encounter this message, I believe that God wants you to know that he has a fresh wave of his love for you. And he's with you. He does not make mistakes. And you are who you are because of who he is and who he has called you to be. So thank you, God, for just showing us more and more of who you are. And I pray, God, that as people go out from here this next week, that they would carry that love, that they would experience it and encounter you in new and different ways. Amen. Very good. Love it. Putting some music under us as we go out. All right. We'll see you next week. All right. And check out our Facebook Lives and sign up for the Insiders List at npepodcast.com. Bye.